Hello and welcome to this week's GG Weekend Watch, where we will be looking ahead to some cracking action at York and at Ascot this week, with the King George, of course, being the feature race. But we have plenty of other top-notch contests then to look forward to, and I'll be looking forward to these races in the company of our regular team of Andrew Mount and Daryl Carter. And they had a good time of things last week, a winner apiece then. We had the wonderful old boy, Mr. Wagyu. He loves this time of year, winning at five to one for Andrew and Frankie de Burley, winning at market raising for Daryl at nine to two as well. So very well done, lads. More of the same this week. And we shall begin with our action then with the 150 at Ascot, the group three Keeneland stakes for the two-year-old fillies, over six furlongs, well as zoo, is a very warm favourite and it's an each way price about the remainder, Andrew. So would you like to kick us off, please? Yeah, I, th I think the zoo's overpriced at seven to four here. Mm. Um, I mean, you look at the history of this race, uh, favourite's got a good record, five of the last ten have won, he'd make a profit backing them blind. And more importantly, horses who ran in the Duchess of Cambridge stakes at the Newmarket's July Festival do incredibly well in this race. You just back them all and make a good profit. And um, I mean, Lazoo was second by half a length in that race, and yeah, the winner got first run and uh, got away from them. And uh, you know, she was two from two before that. She's only gone down by half a length. She's back from Group Two to Group Three company, drawn high and stall nine of nine. That could be advantageous. Frankie Dettori on board. That could be disadvantageous. But even with the, uh, you know, it, it, but I I thought she should be evens or shorter. You know, I'm, I'm thinking seven to four is a great price. Um, there was a horse who also ran in the Duchess of Cambridge who was entered at the five-day stage, uh, Car is it Carmella, for the David Lockdown Yard. Um, that one's not running. So I'm looking at looking at all these, and you know, you got horses who sort of you know, being turned over odds-on at Pontefract last time out, are fairly prominent in the betting. Um, you know, Cuban Mistress, who's game enough, but you know, keeps finishing second. You look at the rest of you, thinking they're pretty hopeless, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I could see Lazoo going off six to four on here. Seven to four seems too big, so uh, strong bet for me, Lazoo. Oh, strong bet, like that a lot then. So Lazoo at the head of the market, though, but like you say, probably a bit of value at seven to four. I was just going to throw it over to Daryl to see exactly what he fancied, but we lost him for a brief bit. Hopefully, you're all sorted, Daryl, because we've had a very strong selection then from Andrew with Lazoo. Do you agree, or or are you distracted? <laughs> Well, no, I, I ordered a parcel, <laughs> and, and I said, "Leave it, leave it round the back," because I'm doing a podcast. So he's going round the back, and he's shouting, shouting up my stairs. And what what viewers will not realise right now is that this is actually take two of this podcast. <laughs> when I first threw the question of the first race to Andrew, his wife came along because she wanted the car key. So this is actually take two. <laughs> Daryl's postman clearly hasn't realised that either. So I <laughs> please sorted. <laughs> You can't oh, get the stuff, can you? No, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, do I agree with Andrew? Uh, with Lazoo. Not really. Um, <laughs> I do I do like her. I, th I think she's a decent horse. Um, I, I'm not a massive fan of her action, in all honesty. Uh, I, I think this is a deeper race than it first looks on paper. I mean, even the outsider, Cuban Mistress, had the uh, super sprint winner in behind when running second at Sandham on Rocket Rodney last time. Omni Queen is a horse that was much better than the bare result behind Dramatise when she clipped heels and then ran on strongly at the finish. Palm Lily was bought for 290000 won really well at Kempton. Um, lots of size and scope about her, again, for the Ralph Beckett Yard. Minotoka was was really impressive on debut at Salisbury, bombed out behind uh, Lazoo next time, beating four lengths, which is not a 
you know, it's, I'd say she probably took a step forward in defeat there, if anything. Glenn Laurel was the horse I like. Um, now, probably beat nothing at Thirsk. Uh, didn't really do a great time figure, but I was just really taken with the with the performance, the way she travelled through the race, the way she changed her legs, the way she was green under pressure, quickened away from him in a matter of strides. Uh, I thought she was a horse going places, and uh, I'm hoping to see uh, an improved performance from her. So I do think there's a lot of competition for the favourite, despite the fact that she sets the form. Uh, we know at this time of year, the two-year-old form can uh, uh, flip and flop around. So I'm going to take a chance on Glenn Laurel uh, and hope that she's just as impressive as she looked at Thirsk and she improves for the run. Um, I think she could be pretty smart. So six to one, that'll do for me. Yeah, it's actually 13 to two top price as well then. So yeah, Glenn Laurel to take on the zoo at the head of a market who is very undisposed, as most of these are then, and still could be anything for Daryl. Right, up next, we have a bit of chaos. <laughs> it's the jump jockeys who are being let loose over five furlongs. Uh, so God help us all. It's the jump jockeys, Nunthorpe. It's a 0 to 80 handicap for four-year-olds and over, over five furlongs at 2.05 at York. Always a great novelty. This race, Tom Scudamore, who, as we know, has a good record in this race, will no doubt be popular in the market on Val de Travers. But, Daryl, how do you play this race? Uh, I, I don't know. I hope you two have done more work on this than I have, because um, yep. I see I see uh, jump jockeys uh, on, on flat horses, and I just think this is just not for my money, to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, the first place I looked was obviously for Tom Scudamore, and Val de Travers won really, really well at uh, Musselburgh last time, beating Sandway owner. Um, that's a horse very much on the upgrade. So probably do for me, but honestly, this is not a race for me to get, be, get involved in. Yeah, I, I hope he can hold Val de Travers. He's not easy, is he, with that high No, head he's not. A few a few of these, though, to be fair, ain't easy. Like Primo's Comet and that. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, this is too risky for my, for my cash. <laughs> Yeah, so I know get get these jump lads with the bad hands on these uh, on these fast sprinters, and Lord knows what's going to happen. But yeah, Valder Travers actually, I've just got the prices through there, eight to one with Tom Scudamore booked to ride. Then it's probably be enough for me as well. But who knows, Andrew? Have you got a, a more confident selection? Yeah, I got I got quite um, interested in this race. Went down the rabbit hole a little bit. One question, Kate: uh, How do they allocate the jockeys? Uh, is it by draw, a bit like the Legend Legends race, or uh, are they booked as per normal? Booked as per normal, believe it or not. Right. So, um, yes. Yeah, so booked. 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 Booked as per normal. That's my, that's my um, yeah, Stoke on Trent uh, background coming through there. So, um, but yeah, in terms, I mean, because Tom uh, Scudamore has won this twice, you, you can have a look at Valley Travis, but then Mick Appleby's horses, you generally don't want to back them when they won last time out. And, and you look at what hap what's happened this season following a win for Valder Travis. Um, he was. Chinned at odds of two to one on, finishing fourth at Catterick, mm. immediately following uh, his, his um, reappearance win. And then his, his other win at Thirsk, um, he, he then finished eighth as the seven to four favourite next time. So, um, yeah, I, I, I've got a, there various theories why Mick Appleby horses generally go backwards after a win. I won't share them here because, you know, I haven't got my solicitor with me. Um, <laughs> but I, I wouldn't want to be taking a short price about Valder Travis despite the um, the booking. The interesting thing about this race, um, obviously, Paul Midgley uh, has won it twice from four renewals. When he hasn't won it, he's had the second one year and the second and third another year. He's got five of the runners, so look out for his. Um, the previous year's renewal is often a very good pointer to this as well. And I think that might be because you look at the weight. Some of these are carrying 11 stone 12. 
they're not used to carrying any more than 10 stone during the course of their flat careers. And if you look at the, the previous, we've only had four runnings previously, but three of the, well, the only horses who'd won in handicaps previously, all of them carried at least nine stone 10 to victory on at least one occasion. So perhaps if you sort of look through this and you know look at those horses who have carried um, you know, humped uh, big uh, big weights to victory. That might give you a, a bit of a, a bit of a clue here as well. Um, so, Sun and Sunny was interesting for Archie Watson. Uh, this one was twice a uh, winner with a big weight, and of course did finish second in the race last year behind the David O'Mara horse, Soul Seeker. Um, Soul Seeker, of course, having done well in it before with Sean Bowen on that would be of interest. Tongue tied for the first time, which might be a slight concern. But yeah, it's, it's kind of a race that's growing on me over the years. You know, at first I kind of was quite dismissive, a bit like I am with the Shergar Cup. Okay. Um, but as you get into it, as you get more data to look at, you think actually there might be a punting angle in here. Um, so I'll go with Sun and Sunny for Archie Watson. Oh, just, I like that, Sorry, Kate, can you just repeat that angle again, Andrew? That was cracking. Um, yeah. Was it carrying what? With the weights. Yeah, if you look at, um, we've had four winners of this race previously. One of those had never won a handicap before. I think that was Fendale um, in 2018. But the other three winners who had won in handicap company previously had all carried at least nine stone ten to victory. Um, so I, I guess you're saying they've got to be the kind of horse that's, you know, able to carry a big weight because they're all humping, you know, uh, what's the minimum weight? Ten stone seven. Mm. Um, so if you look at some of those who've, you know, perhaps they're multiple winners, but... Those, you know, those wins have come when carrying you know, lesser weights. Maybe they haven't got the, you know, the, the size to carry sort of jump, jump jockey's weights. So it's small samples we're dealing with still, and only the fifth renewal this year, but uh, might be something worth keeping an eye on for the future. That's top mm. class, right? That top class. Yeah. But like I say, it makes sense though, doesn't it? For these flat mm. horses, obviously they're going to have the, all of the weights put up to accommodate for the larger jump lads then. And for the, a lot of these horses, like I say, it's going to be a shock to their system to actually be lumping that amount of weight around. So if you've got a horse that's already proven that, carrying that level, that that amount of weight around, then that will automatically gives them something to go on then in the context of this race. So yeah, something that I never would have thought of, but makes perfect sense. Take a boo, Mr. Mount. Take a boo. Right, we're on back to Ascot then now for the Group 3 Valiant Stakes for three-year-olds and over, over a mile at 2.25. It's a pretty open contest, really. So, Andrew, back to you, please, for your selection here. Yeah, this is a tricky one. Um, you look at the uh, the stats for this race, you know, it, it's, it's been a race for three- and four-year-olds. Um, uh, yeah, looking at, looking at the split, it's five winners apiece in the last 10 years. Now, that's not particularly helpful because there aren't many horses age five or older who are uh, running it. But when you look at the breakdown, had you bet all the three-year-olds, uh, you'd have made a profit of £16 over 10 years, a loss of uh, £5.25 for the older uh, for the four-year-olds. So, so maybe look at the classic generation. Um, there's a real mixed bag in terms of which race they've run in last time, whether it was a handicap, whether it was a group race. But there is a simple system here. Just back any horse who, who ran fairly recently within the last six weeks, finished in the top four last time out, uh, and you'd made a profit of £34. Now, had you just bet three-year-olds, recent run, top four finished last time, five winners from 22 in the last 10 years, plus £31. So, so using that, I, I was having a look at... Um, um, you know, the three odds Zambak heads the market two to one now, uh, having finished second 
uh, in a good handicap here last time out behind a radio that was in the Sandringham Stakes. However, she was held up that day, as were most of the horses who fought out the finish, and she was well drawn. And of course, her radio disappointed at odds on next time out at Sandown. So maybe she was a shade flattered. Um, you know, right draw, right running style for Ascot. You know, maybe she can't reproduce that now going on the round course instead of the straight course. Uh, Oscula has been running well, but this is a fourth star in um, you know four weeks, so maybe it's going to be one one too many. Kind gestures, progressive, but is one of about three or four front runners in here, including the German horse November. So they could go a bit too hard. I did look at serenading for James Fanshawe, given we know how she's going to be ridden from off the pace. She might uh, pick up the pieces and get in the frame at a big price. But I, I was going to throw a couple of quid at Idacos for Ed Bethel. Um, around about 40 to 1, I think. Um, she's going to be ridden patiently. Uh, it's a bit of you know a doubt about stepping back up to a mile. She, she ran okay on the sole start of this trip, finishing fourth at York Enlisted Company. Last time out, I was quite taken with that third to Oscular at Carlisle because she raced on the inside. I mean, Carl, I mean, like most tracks, overwatering and incompetence from the um, clerks of the course has caused some real fun and games. And um, we, we've had some sort of idiot tracks this year, you know, Chester last Saturday, where they forgot to water the outside of the track and everything drawn high was winning. Um, Pontefract, most meetings, you know, they, um, they come wide and um, race on the parched ground that's never been watered. It was a bit like, it's been a bit like that at Carlisle. You get, you know, it's good to film good in places watered, get five mil of rain on the morning of the race, and all of a sudden everything's got to, um, you know, race wide and stay off the inside rail. Idacos was too close to the inside that day, I thought, doing well to finish third. And, and although there's a stamina doubt, she's 40 to 1, so there's compensation in the price. I'll just throw my 50p each way at her each way. Oh, I like it. The outsider of the field and 40 to 1 for Idacos there for the Ed Bethel yard. And uh, and again, no, no, well, no, plenty of shade being thrown then at a few of these tracks, but it is true and a point being made then. Uh, so and Andrew's just sound off of his soapbox, Daryl. Who do you like in this atmosphere? <laughs> yeah, not quite as big as 40 to 1. 2 to 1 is a bit disappointing, but, but Zambek for me, I mm. thought the fact that they were gonna go pretty hard here would be very much in her favor i understand what you're saying but saying that she was slightly flattered at ascot uh, coming from off the pace but the way the ground she made up hand over fist towards the end of that race was you couldn't help but you know be very taken with the performance i thought she was the best horse in the race so heredia getting beaten at Sandown in a race which i didn't think was going to be set up for her doesn't bother me too much i think she's going to be the best horse in this race whether it's on this day or going forward <clears throat> um and i think she's going to have the race run to suit uh it's a slight it's a slight concern that her previous run at haydock was what well, i know she won but it was below bar and it was kind of labored it was a labored effort everything was hard work um i'm hoping she's not the type to start throwing in poor runs um so i'm going to give her a chance i think two to one is fair i think she's progressive jim crowley's here which is always a positive for for these shadwell horses and yeah i think she's got a big chance i i just completely agree with what andrew said about um edicos i was concerned about the trip of a mile mm. for, for that one that that horse was also on my radar from the from the carlisle race but um i think zambak's the most likely winner especially if they're going to go hard which i think they are going to um and maybe it's exact time you know and um you know, I'd have cost to finish second to Zambak and or I'd have cost to finish second to the field, something like that. And uh, yeah, I'll maybe have to have a, maybe a, 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 a five or something. Yeah, 
it'll kill me if she wins. <laughs> I've got it <laughs> in the tracker and not. Uh, and she turns out to stay the mile. But um, I, I do think there won't be anything finishing stronger than Zambak. So I, I think that'd be the way to go. Perfect. Yeah. So so the lads in sort of agreement, sort of disagreement there. With Zambak though for Daryl at two to one. But yeah, you may just have to have a little saver then just to agree with Andrew after the KC made them for the outsider of the field. We're back to York now for the Dash Handicap, which is a 0-105 contest for three odds and over, over six furlongs at 240. So the jump jockeys get the five. Uh, the professionals get the six in the Dash Handicap. But it seems fair and it's a wide open race for us. Eight to one the field at the time of recording. So Daryl, plenty to take aim at. Yeah, there is. Uh, two I like. Uh, I always like two in these big handicaps. Um, mm -hmm. It never normally comes to fruition, but you know, <laughs> it makes you feel better, doesn't it? You've got two yes. chances. Um, Silver Samurai disappointed for me at Ascot after winning for the column at, at Haydock in really, really impressive fashion. Um, the problem was is that he was drawn out in store, what was he, five? And they just converted straight down the centre. So all of a sudden he was on the on the wing of the field on the wrong side of the track. And then he had to slip in behind. Then when he was going a quicker and he sort of had no room to really stretch his legs, I, it just all felt wrong. Honestly, I shouldn't have put him up that day, but I did because I was just so taken with his previous performance at Haydock. Um, I was in terrible form at that time as well. So I'm hoping that this sort of scenario is going to be much better. A fast, uh, fast six furlongs at York where they tend to go pretty hard early on, I think is definitely going to suit him. They tend to converge down the centre of the track here. That shouldn't be too much of a problem. You don't sit. You don't tend to get fields um, blown apart in the early stage at these York um, in these York Sprint contests. Whereas at Ascot, you can have uh, a group group to, uh, on the stand side, a group on the far side, a group down the centre, and it can be pretty difficult for a horse that just wants to sit in behind a pack and then just quicken away. I think this scenario will suit him much better. Uh, there's definitely more to come from him. You don't you, you don't win the way you did at Haydock in a very very good time very easily um, without having more to come. Um, he's unexposed at six furlongs uh, and he's run well at York over seven before without quite sitting at the trip. So he'd, he'd be one that I'm going to keep on side, although his price keeps shortening it and I don't, I don't like it, but yeah. uh, Venturis, the uh, last year's winner who won this at 33 to one, he's already been clipped from twenties into tens uh, flat, straight tracks and fast ground is exactly what he wants outside of his two year old season. All of his six furlong wins have come when stepping up from five furlongs. Um, and he caught the eye at Ascot Pine Mountain Peak last time and just given far too much to do at the rear of the field. Again, another one that was trying to quicken, sort of had to switch left and right, just losing a bit of momentum uh, at a crucial time. He's handicapped to have a say. And uh, I think he is just coming to the boil now. So uh, Venturas, a slightly bigger price than Silver Samurai, being the two I'll have a stab with. Yeah, like you say, both of them being clipped in then the whole while. But yeah, Silver Samurai, 11 to 2. And then into 10 to 1 then for Venturous, who was 20s then originally for last year's winner for Daryl. Andrew, any similar thoughts there or where do you go with this race? Yeah, I've got a big problem with this race. The problem is okay. it's six furlongs. It's called a dash. Now, I know. The dash, the dash is five furlongs at Epsom. A dash implies a small amount. I'll have a dash of lime in that, please. It's a, <laughs> a tiny bit, not a six um, amount of lime. <laughs> you're um, fuming. But, you're fuming when you go on I'm holiday and you ask the waiter for a dash, and <laughs> they yeah, give you the blog. That aside, uh, I've tipped Silver Samurai in racing and football outlook this week. 
um, drawn out of it uh, in the Wokingham when, when I bet him. I, I was a big fan of his last year and uh, often put him up as a bet over sort of seven furlongs. And, you know, although he, he ran well on several occasions, the, the drop back to six has been the making of him this season. When he won at Haydock, he was on the slowest part of the track. He was drawn eight. He raced more towards the stand side. It was an advantage to be drawn low and race far side that day. Um, so I think he'll run a good race. I mean, York, you wouldn't say is the ideal for, uh, track for a hold-up horse, but you look at it on paper, you think, yeah, there's plenty of pace here. And uh, you go back to that, to, to that Haydock race on the 28th of May. Third in that was nationwide for John Butler, um, who was drawn in stall nine and also came from off the pace. So I think um, if the race is run to suit Silver Samurai, it will also be run to suit nationwide. So if, you, if you're backing Silver Samurai, I, I think you'd be mad not to have sort of 10 or 20% of your stake as a forecast or reverse forecast with Nationwide as well. Because if they go hard, you know, where one is, the other one will be quite close as well. Um, the other one I was interested in, aside from those two, is Atomic Lady for Tim Easterby, who um, has got a really good record here at, at York. Now, the first time she ran here, um, she was a winner on her nursery debut, or it's 9-2. Uh, and then the next time, she, she didn't run here again until August of last year at the Eagle meeting in the Goffs um, uh, Premier Yearling Stakes. She's finished second by neck after making the running. And uh, you look at the horses who beat her, um, the horse who beat her, Ever Given, and the horse who finished third, Wings of War. They're now rated 108 and 107. You know, she, she split that pair. She's rated 85. Now, since then, she's only had one run back at York. That was on a seasonal debut this season. She's finished uh, ninth of 19. Doesn't look brilliant on the face of it, but when you look at that race, they've gone a bit too hard up front and they've set it up for the closes. The first three in rear, towards rear of midfield, towards rear. Now, the horse who did best of the prominent races was Lethal Levi in fourth at 20 to 1. And of course, he's um, come out and um, won that big heritage handicap for three year olds at the July Festival at Newmarket. So, although she finished ninth of 19, she was actually third best of those who were ridden um, prominently. Uh, other prominent races in that race have come out and run well in defeat or won since as well. So I think Atomic Lady of Stall 2 is no disadvantage, will run well. But then you, you look at the pace, you think, yeah, maybe she's going to be one of several front runners. All they'll do is set it up for a closer and we should just do the Silver Samurai and uh, Nationwide Forecast again. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go Silver Samurai. Um, um, but, yeah, that's kind of like you know one of three that I'm interested in. Yeah, but mainly looking at that angle with a pace collapsing on the front end and hopefully all eggs in the basket then of the hold-up performers of Nationwide and with Silver Samurai as well at 11-2 uh, for Silver Samurai and then Nationwide 8-1. to one. But yeah, that's very interesting angle into the, into the race, but uh, good cases made all round then. Right, we have the 3 o'clock at Ascot. This is the International Stakes, which is a heritage handicap for three-year-olds and over, over seven furlongs. And again... It is fiercely competitive. So, Andrew, right up your street again, this handicap. Who wins it for you? Yeah, this is the Belcher. I had a good look at this race on Monday because I'm live blogging for the Tote because it's Whirlpool Day at Ascot on Saturday. So tune in to Twitter to follow me on that or on the Tote website. Uh, Ropey Guests, uh, the, the old boy, fantastic horse, bloody hard to win with. Yeah. But if, if you're doing Tote Exactors and uh, Trifectors, just bank on Ropey Guests to finish second. Uh, I was lucky enough to do that at Ascot, and uh, he did finish second at 40 to 1. I copped the trifecta. Uh, didn't take my own advice last time at Newmarket when he's second again. Drawn low, that might not be advantageous, but, um, you know, ropey guest, stick him in your place, Pop. 
Um, Jumbie's been running well all season. I, I tipped him up each way in the Bunbury Cup last time. Think of the step back up to seven would suit. You know, he ran well, met a bit of trouble in running. Headgear goes on this time, cheap pieces. He should be thereabouts. Tactical had what turned out to be a poor draw in the Buckingham Palace Stakes at, uh, at Royal Ascot, finishing sixth. Um, he failed to see out one mile trip when coming back to Ascot next time and will be happier back down in distance. Star Orion, who only uh, uh, Rob Hornby knows how he wasn't placed at Royal Ascot, um, was drawn out of it at Newbury in the Bunbury Cup, uh, one of only two to race on the far side. Um, Fresh was drawn out of it in the Wokingham and, um, you know, could will probably be popular each way on the day. But the one I'm going for, though, is our old friend Aratus, who's had absolutely no luck with the draw this season. First time up, three runners at Leicester, probably needed the run, but Adam Kirby must be the only person other than Jim Crowley on this planet who knows you can't be down the stand side at Leicester on the straight course. <laughs> um, he, he's raced alone, got beaten about 58 lengths. Next time out, he's run the Victoria Cup over course and distance, running an absolute blinder against the, uh, the draw bias. And then last time out, he's in the Hunt Cup, not stayed the mile. And um, he's finished 10th well, of the 29 runners. He was drawn high. The only two horses who beat him on his side of the track was Sinjari in fifth, who won next time out, and Bless him in seventh, who won the uh, Bunbury Cup at 25 to 1 next time. Um, so that that's incredible form. Uh, I like the fact that Adam Kirby's gone to York so that um, he's off and Tom Mark runs on. That's a jockey upgrade, in my opinion. And um, so, yeah, I thought Arata's store 13, you know, I'm guessing that um, highest draws are going to be favoured again, or certainly that's where they're going to want to race. So, yeah, very keen on here on Arata. So, I had a good each way bet today at 16 to 1. Oh, nicely done then. So, Arata 16 to 1. We will go with that. But good cases made all round. Say, Ropey Guest going to be put into the place spot. Very well done for that second at 40 to 1 on his penultimate start as well. Uh, Gussie didn't follow it last time out. But Arata's then with Tom Marquand taking over in the saddle for Andrew. It was a postman back, Daryl. Oh, someone trying to clean the bloody windows now. <laughs> <laughs> You're the popular man of the street today. <laughs> I think it's MI5 just spying on you, Dale. Yeah. I do need my windows cleaned, but not right now. <laughs> um, this this is a crack. This is a cracking race. I suspect that the uh, cheek pieces are actually going to help Jumby. Uh, he he did find trouble in running in the Bunbury Cup. He hung to the left as he was uh, running on quite strongly, and he did hit the line. You know, still full of run, full of running. I thought um, this horse is surely. I don't know why they've wasted so much time with him over six furlongs because he's a horse to me that'll get seven and get a mile. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just slightly concerned about the draw down in stall six, as Andrew mentioned. I, I favour high draws, um, whether that's right or wrong, and you come unstuck with that. That is what it is. But it is frustrating when you do favour high draws and you pick a low drawn runner. <clears throat> and then all the action happens over uh, on the rail on that on that far side rail so or stand side rail so i do fancy high drawn runners um chief of chiefs is interesting colin keen is on uh jamie spencer's off he's elsewhere uh he's on bless him sorry um but he is interesting he, he's frustrating to back if anyone's ever been back in chief of chiefs you've been waiting a long time for a win um mm. but at, but at ascot in the uh in the buckingham palace it was very strange he um he did best of those drawn high and it they basically lost so much ground from being drawn high because the action happened in the center to to um far side what they ended up doing straight out the gates they 
all those drawn high just ended up coming straight over. So they ended up forfeiting enough ground by just coming over to the centre. At one point, he might as well have been drawn stall two rather than mm. stall 25. He lost that much ground. Then he was weaving his way through the field and uh, he obviously was beating one and a half lengths. It wasn't a bad run. I thought... Um, what, I, what was annoying about that was no one had explored the stamp side all week. No. They, all, all they did was like they got it into their heads that you wanted to be down the middle. And then uh, when they finally explored the stand side rail on sort of Friday and Saturday, it was a massive advantage, wasn't it? In the, yeah, exactly. In the Wokingham and the, um, the, the Platy Jubes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> most of the sprint races at Royal Ascot, they, they you were benefited to be drawn low. But over a mile, over seven furlongs in a mile, in those bit in the um in the bigger field events, it, it was definitely an advantage to be drawn high as it always is. And we always have the same conversation every year at the Royal Meeting where mm-hmm. we're like, Oh no, the you know, we don't know about the draw. We do know, we know it's high, but it's just whether the action whether the jockeys decide to in the first few races to develop the action over the center to to far side. But either way, Chief of Chief was worth an upgrade. Um, there's a couple of others I like. Uh, Ropey Guest, I think I feel so sorry for Ropey Guest back yeah. in the world because he, he's um He's done really well the last couple of times. He did very well from his draw in the in the Buckingham Palace. I thought he was on the wrong side of the track, starting out on the wrong side of the track in the Bunbury Cup. But he is just vulnerable to something that that could, that can beat him. Um, I was going through and through and through this race. I came down on um, documenting, who for whatever reason it frustrated the hell out of me. I backed this horse at York, right, and um, he looked like he was coming to the boil. And and it was my own fault because they stuck Alec Volansky on him, a yeah. seven-pound seven claimer. Now, nothing against the lad, but he's just – there's a reason he's a seven-pound claimer. He's just not experienced as other jockeys. Now, I really don't understand why trainers have a horse that runs really well in, in a top handicap, finds a good spot for him next time, drops him in grade, and then sticks a, 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 an inexperienced jockey on. When they've got an absolutely fantastic opportunity to win a race, uh, that just it just doesn't work. It's like they value weight over the you know the the brain of a an experienced jockey. Well, they probably value money as well because they don't have to give a percentage of the prize money to the jockey, do they? They just <laughs> put it in their own pocket and uh, yeah, lot, probably. You know? But they, they always come unstuck when it happens. It never works. So I don't understand why they do it. But Jason Hart's back on documenting. I thought he ran a blinder in the um, in the Buckingham Palace. He's a huge price at 33 to 1. He's dropping down the handicap. Um, he is more than capable in his day. This is his trip. He will love fast ground. Um, and he is a class act when he puts it all together. And the other class act is accidental agent at 25 to 1. I don't understand why he continues to be such a big price in these handicaps. Mm. He won really well at Newmarket. I tipped him that day. At, I think he was like 11 to 1 that day in a, in a terrible handicap. Um, but then he ran and ran an absolute screamer in the Victoria Cup to finish second. He is another one that's drawn 19, and he could just get that fast finishing strip down that stand side rail. Um, he, he was undone by his uh, track position um, in the Bunbury Cup. He did the best of those from on the far side of the track. Um, and he was in rear as well. Uh, I thought it was a, a magnificent performance. He's in the form of his life at the moment. And he's just a horse you don't want to write off in the form of his life, especially at Ascot. So two big prices, 25s and 33s, I think. They'll, they'll be my two stabs, but they will be win bet only um, because... The likes of accidental agent, he's probably going to get there, or he's not. He's just going to throw in a poor one, really. So yeah. that's just him all over, isn't it? Though, but like, but like you say, with the form that he actually does come here in, 
at that price is huge then for him to lug around 10 stone then in this but let's say he is a class act and then documenting class mm. act as well again a huge price a good case is made and very good prices as well that daryl has sided with for that very competitive race right we have more group action now with the group two york stakes for three euros and over over a mile two at 315 where claymore is a strong favorite at the head of the market on the back of his success at royal ascot where he overturned reach for the moon fair and squarely in my opinion anyway and being a three-year-old he's getting lumps of weight from his older rivals here too and yes many will argue about his disappointing run in the french guineas on his penultimate start prior to his Ascot win but he was drawn out of it effectively at Longchamp but anyway drawn wise of all so I was willing to draw a line through that anyway and then you look back at his second behind Native Trail just his second career start in the group three Craven Stakes very very smart form so I'm just happy that the horse has confirmed that and confirmed himself as a serious type and he should have far more to come as he climbs the ranks and is able to take advantage of the weight for age lance here too so it is claymore for me daryl but who do you side with um i think claymore's a lay at these prices <gasps> yeah i think he's a terrible price i think he's an absolutely he's shocking sure, price but... <laughs> 10. um he dictated a slowly run race at ascot in the hampton court um the only significant horse he's really beaten is Reach for the Moon, who has not really been the same horse as he was last year. Um, I, I don't. I thought Cresta was close on him all the way to the line as well, and I don't really think much of that horse. That race was the slowest of the three across the three days, and quite significantly, he was around ten lengths slower than Dubai Future, um, who ran over the same trip. Albeit there's a couple of days between them, so you know, take take that of a pinch of salt. But Claymore would have had the quicker ground. Um, given the way the, the track was drying out, um, I, I couldn't have it. I couldn't have him at all. Uh, I don't like him. Um, Dubai Honor is is the one for me. I, I was kind of split between Dubai Honor and Dubai Future. Dubai Honor is the one for me that I, I'm going to come down on him. Um, in the Champion Stakes last year, he was the only horse um, to break the 12 second per furlong um, marker, and he did it twice between four and three furlongs and three and two furlongs. Um, it's interesting that Mark Wand is obviously riding for Haggis, but um, at Ascot and not here. Mm. But uh, Stevie Donahue's got a 50% record when going, going to York for William Haggis, and William Haggis doesn't usually waste his bullets. If you go back to the uh, Shima Classic, he was beaten four lengths by Shira, but um, he was at the rear of the field that day, and or towards the mid middle of the pack, towards the rear of the midfield. And there was just no pace on whatsoever. And it, he was stuck in the middle of the pack. He just couldn't get couldn't get uh, riding or racing at all. The time before in Hong Kong, where he was only narrowly beaten by uh, Love's Only You, that was a really good run. He had to um, negotiate a passage and barge, barge a couple of horses out of the way to try and get on terms. He just couldn't get there in time. Um I thought it was a really, really good one. And last year's champion stakes, second Silway, definitely is the standard setter in this particular race. I think he's um, still improving. He's still got more to come. I think his best trip probably could be a mile and a half uh, mm. in time. But I have no doubt about it. He is better than these. Um, Dubai Future is the slightly quicker horse. Uh, they actually met um, in the uh, in the Shima Classic. Uh, and... Dubai Future sort of made a move around the outside, just sort of outspeeded, um, outspeeded Dubai Honor. But 
just couldn't sustain it. And I think Dubai Honor is the strongest air in the field. I think he'll outstay these. There should be a good bit of pace on Dark Moon Rising, should be going forward. I think Claymore will obviously try and implement the same tactics again. And I'm hoping that Dubai Future will keep them honest while Dubai Honor will outstay him. I think he's a cracking price. If you can get nine or four about him, I'll take it all day long. Oh, so nine to four then for the strongest sayer in Dubai Honor, wasn't it? Rather than Dubai yeah. Future, then as a as the quicker horse who might put the pace to the race, taking on Claymore and Dark Moon Rising at the front of it, then on the front end, where I am concerned about Dark Moon Rising putting the pressure on Claymore. But I was hoping he was just going to do the exact same and try and go forwards and then dictate from the front. So very divided opinions then between Daryl and myself, Andrew. How do you split him? I'm in agreement with Daryl. Uh, of course. I I took Claymore at Royal Ascot and love the horse, but mm -hmm. he's a three-year-old running in um, York Stakes, and you have to go back to 2006, um, best alibi five to do on to find the last winner. Okay, only 11 have tried since, but a lot of them were short prices. He'll probably get taken on by Dark Moon Rising, the other three-year-old. I thought there were three runners in this race, or two and a half, Dubai Honor, Dubai Future, and Sobosca. There's your trifecta. Mm -hmm. And you look at the Racing Post ratings, um, you know, Dubai on a Dubai future miles clear of, of the rest. You look at the speed figures, same again. I, I can't see any other um, outcome other than the two three-year-olds finishing last and second last. Oh. And one of them is 11 to 8 favourites. Incredible. So you, you've got to get on and take a price about the forecast as quickly as possible because I, I can see Claymore going massively on the stink and drifting uh, markedly come Saturday. So I, I like Dubai on a um, I, I'd make him the pick in the race. Sabuska, 10 furlongs, bit of a doubt, but you look at his York form, he's only had a couple of runs here, stayed on well over uh, a mile, finished second by neck in a field of 17, uh, and a good fourth as well. I think is going to be ridden with a place in mind. So, um, you know, you give me a 10, I'll have a five of Dubai Honor to beat Sabuska, a five of Dubai Future to beat Sabuska. I can see Sabuska finishing second. And it, for those of you who've got Skybet accounts, you lucky fellows, <laughs> um, they, they, they offer uh, prices on horses to finish exactly second. Um, so, so go with your ropey guests in the three o'clock at Ascot and go with your Sabuska here and do the double. So uh, there can be some nice prices available there. Oh, nicely done then. Yeah, so so an exact there as well, but also very keen on Dubai Honor though as well then. So yeah, that co that's correct. Yeah, D Dubai Honor the pick, but I'll, I'll be yeah. playing, I'll be playing um, you know, exotics in this race. I like to say, rather be going with the exotics, but with the straight play, then that would be the yeah. one. So interesting. I'm not going to take it personally between the two lads. And we will move on to the 335. I'd ask it was signing off with the big one, the King George for six and Queen Elizabeth Stakes, a group one, all three-year-olds and over over a mile four at Ascot and it is a very good renewal for all for all that we uh lack the derby winner desert crown who was ruled out with a setback but we still have a cracking lineup in here plenty of different angles into this race lots of jockey switches too so Andrew your idea of the King George winner please yeah this is one of the hardest races to look at on the day I thought despite the small field mm. and uh... Yeah, I'd much rather find the winner of the um, the Murray and Shandon at three o'clock at Ascot, the huge field heritage handicap, rather than this. Probably yeah. Westover. Um, now, I, I don't like to admit that he was unlucky at, uh, at Epsom on Derby Day in the, in the Derby because because I bet who you mild each way to oh, in the exactor yeah. who finished second, but yeah. in, you know who you mild would have finished third at, or you know had. Um, uh, you know, Westover got a run. He's bolted up in the Irish Derby next time out. And yeah, you, you think he's probably going to do the same here. In, in terms of sort of six to four versus 11 to four about Emily Upjohn, 
Now, I know Emily Upjohn was in Lucky in the Oaks, but that's the Oaks. This is mm -hmm. you know, taking on the Colts here. It's a completely different kettle of fish. And I can see Emily Upjohn not finishing the first two here. Um, Mishriff, I mean, you could argue he was unlucky at Sandown, but they finished in a heap. And I'm still not convinced by his form in Britain, who's a you know, warm win from his last six starts in this country. Um, Torquato Tasso is quite interesting because he, he always needs his first run of the season. Outside of his seasonal debuts, he's six wins and four places from 10 starts. And um, the, the closer he runs to his last race, the better he seems to perform. He only raced three weeks ago, so I think um, you know there could be more to come from him on only his third start of the season. So as an outsider, as a place part inclusion, as a, you know, one for your exactors with Westover, I'd certainly consider him. And pile driver as well. His record in small fields is excellent, and uh, you know he very rarely finishes out of the first two when he's at a field of nine or fewer runners. I think it's sort of four wins, four seconds from nine starts. So I was looking at pile, you know, horses that might be ridden to sort of pick up the pieces, perhaps, and try to get second, thinking they can't beat Westover. Um, so yeah, I, I was sort of you know talk Westover. I think will win, but maybe for the exact to to Tasso and pile driver take on Emily Upjohn. Oh, I like that then. So more exotics for Andrew uh, in the King George, but a good way to play the race and try and boost your returns. Anyway, Daryl, who do you like in the King George? Yeah, this is a cracking race. Um, I actually you know what I had a second glance at Pile Driver, but I, just a slight thing for me with Pile Driver is that he hangs to his right. That's mm. why he caused Alassie so many problems when he won at Epsom because he was on the rail and he was just sort of hanging off the hanging up the camber. He doesn't really handle Epsom. So I'd put the line through that. And I know I know it's strange to say that when a horse has won there, but it, trust me, he doesn't really. Mm. Um, but he's a horse that will need to swing to this straight and he will need to be on the rail um, to, to keep galloping. He's not the strongest there at a mile and a half. That would just be a slight concern. But he is interesting. He's a little bit insulting that he's a 28 to one shot in here, I think. Um, I want to. I'm going to take on Westover. I, I think that Irish... Derby form is worth absolutely nothing, really. Tuesday was at least ten pounds below her best there. Mm. She's beating ten lengths. Um, I don't think much of this piss battle, the this horse that people have been going on about all season. I, I just don't see where they've got the excitement from. And I thought, other than that, the race was pretty much worthless. In all honesty, so I'm not getting overexcited as everyone else is. I know Colin King said he's one of the best he's ever ridden. Um, I'm just highly surprised by that because it's not like the race. I think he said he, he think he said that so he'd keep the ride and rob yeah. and get back on so. yeah I would agree because it's not like the race did a good time figure or anything like that the form is not that great um the, the derby form obviously is is pretty decent you would say but Mass Kale has been well beaten since you know Nahani's not really shown himself to be anything he was well touted for the derby he was beaten 16 lengths by the west wind blows who just did too much too soon and didn't stay that trip i'm not really the terror part of the derby form just yet but i think desert crown is very very smart and he did it very very easily you compare that race as well in terms of emily upjohn to the epsom oaks um and the time figure was much better for the derby than it was for the epsom oaks so i'm just not i i I like Westover as a horse. Last year, I watched him on debut, and I thought, Christ, this horse could be something special. And then Bullet Force just kept letting the form down. Every way you turn, he kept bloody letting the form down. And then I heavily backed him at Pontifract, and he was beaten in an enlisted race at Pontifract. And I just thought, oh, God, maybe he's not what I thought he was. Turns out he comes out and wins at Sandown, and then he runs mm -hmm. like that in the derby. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know, just for me, it's just all... 
I don't know. Is he this superstar? I, I mm. don't know. I think maybe over a St. Ledger trip, he could be something like that. But I think he lacks a, a turn of foot. Emily up, John. I, I like her, but I, I, there was a slight question mark of me about her finishing effort in the Oaks. Um, I don't know whether that was Frankie or whether it was actually her or what. But I, I don't know. I need to see more from her. And again, she's against the boys. Mishriff, I love him as a horse. He let me down desperately last year at, um, at Ascot. And... I, I, I've never really forgiven him. I, I'm never not really convinced he's a mile and a halfer either. Uh, now, I know uh, the last day at Sandown when he's beaten the neck by Vadini, I know that he was a very unlucky loser, but that doesn't always mean that he wants to go back up and trip. Um, I thought the race set up quite nicely. I mean, when he was quickening, I thought he had the sharp or one of the sharper turn of foots other than Vadini, which I thought would happen in the race when we spoke about it. But they were all in a bunch at that furlong pole. And he was quick enough to try, or he was almost quick enough to try and get out and, and do them for a turn of speed. So I'm not overly convinced he wants a mile and a half. I cannot believe, for the life of me, the arc winner is 12 to 1 or 14 to 1. I'm shocked. How on earth this horse... This is absolutely madness that this horse is a double-figure price. The, the, the arc form from last year is absolutely rock solid mm. um, it, 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 a brilliant piece of form needed the run at baden baden this year and then goes and wins really quite impressively at hamburg if you go back and watch the race it was quite an impressive performance this horse stays forever and it's got a pretty smart turn of foot is constantly on the improve you go back to the alpinista run where um uh, the horse was beaten by two lengths but it doesn't tell the story of the race because he got no run whatsoever and couldn't get out in time and stayed on and closed Alpinista down really, really strongly. Alpinista is a 118-rated horse, um, won the next three starts. You know, the form is there, right there in black and white, and I just don't understand how on earth this horse is a, a 12 or 14 to 1 shot. I'm, I'm scratching my head. I must be missing something. I know it's the, probably going to be the fastest ground um, mm. he's run on, but... Other than that, I can't quite understand. I, I can't quite understand why this horse is a double-figure price. I'm shocked. Am I being stupid? Or I think it is just the ground. I think that's all it is. It's just that it's it's not the fact. I mean, connections have said that he doesn't not handle it. It's the fact that he just handles soft and testing so much better than other horses, and that's what kind of gives him his advantage rather than sort of it levels his ability off then against these top horses on a quicker on a quicker service. I agree, but even when they ran in Germany on good ground behind Alpinista, the level of that form, getting a clear run there probably would have beaten the 118 rated horse, is still not miles off what's going to be required to win this. Mm. Especially it comes if, down to price, it, doesn't it? And, especially you know, if, if, if you're back in a horse at double figures, everything's not going to be right, is it? There's going to be a doubt about something, whether it's the trip, the draw, the jockey, or whatever. And in this case, it's the going. So, you know, I if it's six, six to four, you wouldn't bother. It's 12, 14 to one. Have a few quid on. Mm. But you're, but you're suggest, but like the prices are suggesting that Mishriff's going to run to 125 mm -hmm. over a mile and a half when, I mean, he hasn't run over what a mile and a half since being beaten in this race last year in Britain, he's never, he's never won over a mile and a half. Mm. So, you know what I mean? Like, I think that there, there, there'll be an, enough of a pace on here. I think Broom, Broom will, will take him along. Emily Upjohn won't be far off the pace this time around. I wouldn't have thought after the ride last time. Um, I suspect that 
drawn and uh, faded goals and we'll be trying to keep the, the pacemaker honest. But um, I think Torquia uh, Tasso won't be far off either. And whatever outstays in will win. But double figure price, that'll do me, thanks. Oh, nice. Yeah, so 12 to 1 then for the arc winner, Torcato Tasso for Daryl. But it is just that kind of race where it divides all different opinions there. Broom is wonderful, but can I really see him giving the weight away to the younger horses in the context of this race? No. Mishra, if I agree, I think he's better over 10 furlongs for all that he's won a Shima Classic over this trip. But as you say, in this country, I, I don't. I think that he's just a better horse over the 10 and he proved his, uh, his turn of foot to manage to get himself out of trouble even on his latest start anyway at Sandown in the Coral Clip over the 10 furlongs. Uh, pile driver, again, I just, uh, I don't know, he's a wonderful horse, but to give that weight away again, I just have those slight doubts then about him. Uh, to Tasso, I do have the doubts about the ground in terms of levelling him off. Like say he is sort of a stuffy, lazy type of a horse where he takes his first run. They can never get him fit for his first run and then he needs that. And he, But they are still working towards the arc. That is still being touted as the main aim. Uh, and Emily Upjohn, I still think that the, the classic generation, the Colts are better than the Phillies still. And as you say, I mean, I know that Tuesday didn't run any sort of a race last time out then, but I still don't think that the Phillies are anywhere near as good as the Colts. So sort of by default, I've been left on Westover then, where I think he has more speed than we're giving him credit for. When, as you say, initially, I was thinking of him as a St. Ledger horse anyway. But uh, but I still think that over this trip, with the weight that he's getting, slightly frustrated that Rob Hornby hasn't got back onto him, but that's a whole different agenda, not to take away from the horse's chances here whatsoever. So, yeah, for me, with the weight that he's getting, I thought that Westover just by process of trying to eliminate a bunch of really classy horses would be the one then for me. Now, unfortunately, I have to go get a root canal, so we haven't got time for, for me to ask <laughs> what uh, what uh, are your best bets from anywhere else, but you can catch the lads' best bets then in their column from anywhere else. But what I will get for you, though, for our final um, bit of this show is your naps, please. So, Andrew, I'll go to you for your nap of the weekend, please. Mr. Wagyu, it's July, must be right. <laughs> um, no, I'll go Aratus in the three o'clock at Ascot and good luck having your new dentures for Kate. Thanks so much. Exactly. I'm getting to that age now where it was inevitable, really. Uh, Daryl, your nap of the weekend, please. Three uh, fifteen York, Dubai, honour. Oh, like it. Okay, I'm going to go Westover then in the 3.35 at Ascot in the King George. Bay. It may as well play the big race. So, yeah, apologies, lads, for not getting to your bets. But, yeah, this tooth, it's got to come out. So, um, so yeah, or whatever they have to do to it. So, got to run for that. But thank you so much to the lads for all of their hard work. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the action this weekend. We'll speak to you again next week. <laughs>